If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50+, plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, I've got some thoughts on where we're headed going into 2021. The interview queen, Alicia Atut, is on the show, and we're just hours away from Legends Raw. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Ah, welcome to 2021. The first show of 2021, the first Not Sam Wrestling of 2021. Hope everybody's doing well. There's a lot to talk about today. As I said, Alicia Toot's going to be on the show. If you don't know who she is, I'll tell you all about it in a few minutes. Uh... But first, we should uh, make mention of the fact that as we're recording this show, we're hours away from Wrestle Kingdom. Of course, in the States, Wrestle Kingdom starts Monday morning at 5 a.m. So that's the exact same time this podcast comes out, 5 a.m. Eastern on Monday morning. So technically, yes, we don't know uh, 100% what's going on. We know that uh, there's been a, a huge COVID uptick in Japan. So I think over the next 12 hours or so, it's less than 12 hours now at the time that I'm recording this, but over the next several hours, they're going to have to figure out exactly how they're going to do things over there because uh, while they are doing Wrestle Kingdom in the, in the Tokyo Dome again this year, I think the original plan was to hope to get like 20,000 fans in there. And what New Japan has been doing for a lot of shows, which is kind of genius, is not only have they been separating fans and making them wear masks and everything, but you're not allowed to scream. You're not allowed to vocally cheer or boo anybody. You can clap and you can stomp, but you can't shout. You can't loudly speak. You can't do things with your mouth that would make globules of spit, terrible, disease-carrying, disgusting spit, projectile out of your mouth, and potentially on to the people around you. You're not allowed to do that anymore. So I think that's pretty genius, actually. Uh, but that they're not. They at no point were they doing twenty thousand. That was the initial goal, I think. Uh, and then they they settled on five. I think they were trying to get five thousand into the Tokyo Dome, which seats like fifty. You know, that's where they do Wrestle Kingdom every year, obviously. Um, but with this new uptick in the potential of of Tokyo. Uh, getting a state of emergency declared as they're getting more cases of this uh, new version of COVID uh, than they even had with the original. I think I read somewhere like 4,000 cases a day or something like that. There's a very real possibility. Kevin Kelly, their commentator, said that the show is going to go on regardless. Uh, but there is a real possibility that they may do it without fans. So 
It'll be interesting to see. And by the time this comes out, I guess we'll know. You could be listening to this and watching Wrestle Kingdom at the same time. But within 24 hours, we will know. Um, But so we'll be talking more about that next week and also on Thursday on the Patreon exclusive podcast. This week on the Patreon exclusive podcast, Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, you can get access to it at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. We spent uh, most of the show talking about the Luke Harper tribute episode that AEW did uh, on Wednesday of this week. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're a fan of Luke Harper, and for some reason you haven't seen the show yet, I would go out of your way to see it. I mean, it was it was pretty remarkable what they did for this guy. There just aren't a lot of people that make an impact on their coworkers the way that Luke Harper did universally. WWE has done some very nice stuff. They put out a, a video over the weekend on their digital platforms of some of the superstars and some of the other people that work at WWE giving uh, heartfelt stories and things like that about Luke Harper tributes. But um, AEW specifically, the stuff they did with Brody Jr. with his son in the multi-person match with MJF and the appearance of Rowan, um, that really got me. The Eddie Kingston promo really got me. Um, and then the end of the show with Harper or, or Brody Lee's boots being put in the middle of the ring with the bandana, the purple bandana being draped over the boots. That that got me. Seeing the boots and the bandana really got me. Um, and then the tribute uh, montage that they did with, it, it felt like there was not any company loyalty, which was nice. It felt like it was just about Brody Lee and who his friends were. And you saw all kinds of faces that you're familiar with from not only AEW, but a ton of faces you're familiar with from WWE. They just basically scoured social media and just all the pictures that so many people in wrestling had put up about Brody, they they aired on their package. So uh, if you have not seen that special, I, I would tell you to go out there and make sure that you do because it really was a fitting tribute to somebody like Brody Lee who made such an incredible impact on the wrestling business and specifically on his coworkers and the people that, that – were around him uh, the majority of the time. So uh, it really was a, t- a touching thing uh, that they did on Wednesday. Um, tonight, you got Legends Raw. Tonight, Monday night, Legends Raw. And this list of legends that they've already put out, I think I've got like, I've got like 25 names that I think are confirmed that WWE has at one point or another said is going to be on the show. I'm always surprised. You know, I should have asked him. We had Bruce Pritchard on the WWE Network show uh, that came out on Thursday. We'll have a, a new episode on the WWE Network this Thursday, not Sam Wrestling. But Bruce Pritchard was on, and we talked about Santa Claus, and we talked about uh, Brother Love, and uh, we talked about Monday Night Raw. And, you know, I mean, our time was limited. I couldn't believe uh, that I was able to get him to make time. This guy is so busy being the EP of, of Raw and of SmackDown, uh, I, I, I was flabbergasted and flattered that he was able to make the time and that, you know, he was just able to hang out for half hour, 35 minutes, whatever it was, and just, and just tell stories. It, it was awesome. It was an awesome interview. If you haven't checked that out yet, I would definitely go look up Not Sam Wrestling on the free version of the WWE Network. There's, there's 
so I I did uh, I I had a conversation with Bruce Pritchard on the show this week. Uh, I did New Year's resolutions for the for wrestling and for WWE, including from now on, superstars do not wait for a tag in a no disqualification tag team match. Just go ahead and jump in the match and save your partner. So a bunch of a bunch of New Year's resolutions. Hot Dog and me made a list of things that we wanted to keep going into 2021, you know, kind of our way of saying as much negativity as there was about 2020, let's try to call through it and pull out the positive. Uh, and we did that and and a bunch more. So check it out if you haven't yet over on the WWE Network. But I'm surprised that, I was surprised that Brother Love, and I wish I'd asked him, wasn't a part of the Undertaker farewell at Survivor Series. And I'm a little surprised that Brother Love is not listed on this list of legends for WWE Legends Night. And you might say, well, Brother Love wasn't really a part of Monday Night Raw. You know, he was on a few episodes of Raw. But really, Brother Love, the legendary time of Brother Love was, you know, like WrestleMania 5 era. Like you're talking about the 80s. You're talking about before Monday Night Raw. And while that's true, you could say the same thing. There are people on this list. Like Michael Hayes didn't do anything on Monday Night Raw. You know, I mean, Doc Hendricks maybe did a little bit, but there, there, there are a handful of people on this list that aren't necessarily Raw legends, but are just wrestling legends, and they're being celebrated. Like Jimmy Hart, for example. Jimmy Hart didn't do a ton on Monday Night Raw. He did a little bit when Hulk Hogan returned in 93 for that little snippet of time, but after that, he was gone again, and he was in WCW with Hogan. So I just think that as far as legends go and WWE legends, Brother Love is on that list. So it's interesting. I guess he's got so much work to do behind the scenes he doesn't have time to slap on all that red makeup and put that white suit on so he can just tell people that he loves them. That was actually a spot-on impression, I must say. Uh, but who they've announced, of course, the big names. Hulk Hogan is going to be on Raw. Ric Flair is going to be on Raw. Uh, you got Booker T, The Big Show, Tori Wilson, Ron Simmons, Farouk, Jeff Jarrett, Sergeant Slaughter, I wonder if Sergeant Slaughter is going to try to extract any revenge from Hulk Hogan. If he's going to try to get some revenge from Hulk Hogan for WrestleMania 7. I wonder if for Sergeant Slaughter he really has seen the light or maybe maybe he still is a little mad at Hogan. Teddy Long is going to be on Raw. As I said, Jimmy Hart. I would imagine if Teddy Long is going to be on Raw, at some point he's going to turn something into a tag team match player. IRS is going to be on Raw. I've seen people fantasy book that like he's going to be acknowledged as the father of the fiend. But this is what I, I I hate that stuff. I don't think IRS should be acknowledged as the father of the fiend at all because IRS is not the father of the fiend. Mike Rotunda is the father of Wyndham Rotunda. But we're not seeing the Rotundos, you know? We're seeing the fiend and Erwin R. Scheister. Erwin R. Scheister in canon is not the father of the fiend Bray Wyatt. That's insane. They don't even have the same last name. One is named Scheister and the other is named Wyatt. So no, I don't think in the WWE universe, IRS and Bray Wyatt are related at all. So no, I don't think that IRS, like I read somewhere that like, uh, you could have IRS get involved in the Randy Orton, Alexa Bliss thing. That'd be so stupid. 
It'd be so stupid because what you'd basically be doing is you'd be sitting there and you've now built the fiend into this horror movie monster. And he's a guy that could is potentially going to survive being lit on fire and burned to a crisp. He's potentially going to survive that. And what you're doing is you're going like, this is not some mystical, magical creature. This is a man in a mask playing a character. That's his dad right there pretending to be a tax man. It would do nothing for the fiend. Unless IRS comes out in some haunted tax man accountant mask, maybe. I mean, I guess what's scarier than a monster? The tax man. But yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, Tatanka is going to be on Raw. Yeah, so like Tatanka is a guy who I wouldn't say is a, a legend of Monday Night Raw, you know, I mean, 94, 93, yeah. But after that, not really. But Tatanka is going to be on Raw. Somewhere Katie Linendahl is psyched. Uh, Mark Henry coming back for Raw, the big show. Uh, I think I might have mentioned that already. Ivory coming back. Jacqueline. Melina. Beth Phoenix. Eve Torres. Alicia Fox. Candice Michelle. You've got to imagine there's going to be something going on with all those uh, uh, diva era and attitude era women. That they'll all be coupled together. Um, I wonder if, you know, there were rumors that Melina was coming back like a few months ago. Everybody was like, yeah, no, Melina's coming back full time. And I was like, what? I wonder if, if any of these legends will be worked into coming back. You know, MVP was only supposed to be around for one pay-per-view in an episode of Raw and he ended up being a part of it. Maybe this is Melina's big comeback. Who knows? As I said, Michael P.S. Hayes is going to be on the show. Kurt Angle is going to be on the show. When you talk about somebody returning... The person that I'm really excited about, who I think is extremely underrated and somebody who I'm a huge fan of, is Carlito. I love Carlito. I loved Carlito when he was around. Carlito's my favorite wrestler. They made a, a, a Ruthless Aggression era action figure of him with the shirt and the real feel afro. He's incredible. I loved Carlito. That's not cool. And he spit apple in your face. Carlito is, is vastly vastly underrated. Uh, and I hope, I hope the reason he's coming back, because you don't, like, Carlito doesn't really fit in the same category as a lot of these legends. You know, like, you don't think of Carlito. He's not as old as some of them. He's not like a former world champion, per se, not to take anything away from what Carlito did in WWE. But you wonder if maybe people like Carlito, maybe Molina, you know, that was the rumor going around before. Maybe maybe they're coming back for a Legends Night and they're going to stick around for a while. There's a, a hot rumor going around that this will be when uh, Eva Marie comes back. If you listen to this podcast with any regularity, if you listen to the exclusive stuff we do over on Patreon, you know I'm a huge proponent of bringing Eva Marie back to WWE. I think she is a tremendous, tremendous heel, a great bad guy. And when you go through the roster right now, you have such strong talent. You know, I mean, the top of the women's division, you're looking at Charlotte, Asuka, Bailey, Sasha Banks, the potential of a Ronda Rousey coming back, the potential of a Becky Lynch coming back. Like, it is tough to penetrate that top scene just because all of those people are working at absolute peaks right now. So I think it could be good to have Eva Marie come in. Number one be a bad guy that somebody like that can work with. Like that, you know, I think that's why Carmella 
Because Carmella is great. I think Carmella is extremely underrated. Carmella's character work is great. I think her in-ring stuff is underrated too. But I think the reason that she's able to, like, you know, be in, in main event level rivalries with Sasha Banks is because she's a villain. You know, and 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 you can and you can plug her in there. I think Eve Marie has the potential to do something like that, and then also be able to work with people like whether it's a Lacey Evans, whether it's a uh, uh, who knows, uh, you know, any of the various people, uh, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riots, the people that are like can get there, can get into that main event scene. But in the meantime, you know, I don't think you have such strong characters and such strong talent in the top, tippity, tippity, tippity top of the women's division that the risk that you run is if you're only doing one story involving women on a television show, most of the roster is not going to get showcased because you're going to do a storyline involving the tippity top of the talent because they're, I mean, they're among the biggest stars in wrestling in general, regardless of gender. So I think bringing in more people like Eva Marie, who are character heavy, they can tell stories with women that aren't necessarily in the main, main, main event of the women's division could be really good. Then you're talking about being able to have enough talent and enough characters where you can tell multiple female centric stories per show. Because I think that's that's what you should be doing. I would like to get to a place where you're having pay-per-views that have a giant women's championship match, and then also a giant female grudge match. Like having three women's, four women's matches on a pay-per-view shouldn't be that so far out of the realm of possibility. But in order to get there, you know, you need those strong characters. So I hope uh, Eve Marie does something. Look, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful with the amount of legends that you have on this show. I'm really hopeful that they get involved. You know, I, I don't want, this episode of Raw to simply be a celebration of the legends because we've done that so many times. The majority of the times, I feel like the legends come in and it's a celebration of the legends. And while, yes, we should celebrate them, and yes, we should maintain the equity that you have in these massive brands that you've built, the big show, the Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, you know, Booker T., I still think, you know, it's a little different with like Booker T because he's on the broadcast team. He's on every kickoff show. He's, you know, he's, he's kind of out there. Beth Phoenix, a little different because she's on the NXT commentary team. But the people that are just coming in, like, I, I would love to see Hulk Hogan involved with somebody. Not that we're going to build towards a story with Hogan and somebody else, but just that at the end of the night, you're talking about Hogan's interaction with a, with a current character. You know, like, I'd love to see Keith Lee drop somebody. You know? Like, how great would it be if Keith Lee just turned heel? And Mark Henry was like, this is the guy right here. Keith Lee is my guy. And Keith Lee just picked him up and world's strongest slammed Mark Henry right there. I'm not your guy. I'm not second to anybody, okay? You could bask in my glory, Mark Henry. But you'll do it from down there on the mat. I think that'd be so strong, you know. I I I think that the 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 legends don't get used often enough. I think there's enough legends here that you can do some cute segments, and I'm sure that there'll be surprises, you know. Hopefully, Papa Shango pops up somewhere. Hopefully, somebody slaps on that doink paint. I do kind of wish like Bret Hart was coming, but who knows? Maybe 
international travel from Canada is a little tough. Odd that DX is not being advertised for the show since they literally have Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Road Dog not only under contract, but in state. They're not in Tampa, but they're all in Orlando. They're right there in Florida. They're doing NXT every week. And I'm sure X-Pac would come in if you threw a couple shekels at him. Why wouldn't he? I would. So interesting that DX hasn't been advertised. That doesn't necessarily mean they won't be there. I think they should be there when you're doing a Legends night. But, you know, I, I, I hope there's some involvement. You know, you've got a championship match between Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. Again, I think it's a great night for Keith Lee to turn heel. Um, you've got Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss in whatever Firefly, Funhouse, Alexa Bliss playground. I don't know what the interview segment is called anymore. But the bottom line is we're going to find out if Alexa Bliss got burned to death or not. Last week, we ended Raw with Alexa Bliss covering herself in gasoline and Randy Orton lighting a match. This week, we find out, was she burned to death? Somehow, on Raw Talk, they didn't know for for sure. If I were there, I probably would have told Charlie, as an investigative journalist, walk over to the ring and check and see if there's a burn mark there. Or like ashes of a skeleton, like or like you know something that appears to be a, an Alexa Bliss garment that maybe was burned as she was lit on fire. I feel like if we're in the room, let's smell. Does it smell like burning flesh? I feel like if we're in the room where this could have potentially just happened moments ago, there will be clues that let us know. Did this happen or not? However, we got no concrete answers. So we will find out. Not only do we have all these legends, we've got a big championship match, WWE championship match between Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre. But we will find out if Alexa Bliss was burned to death or not, which is great. I've been waiting all week to find out. It is uh, a little bit jarring that the Keith Lee-Drew McIntyre match is happening this quickly. Uh, that's why I would, I would vote to have either Keith Lee or Sheamus turn heel. You know, I personally, my vote would be to turn Keith Lee heel in this match and start building that rivalry. But if you have Sheamus fully turn heel, then what you can do is have Sheamus interfere and start a Sheamus-Keith Lee rivalry, which might be the point of all this. Either way, I don't think you get a clean victory, nor should you yet. You know, I think that this match should really be used as the first piece in the rivalry that leads us to a Keith Lee main event program series of matches with Drew McIntyre. Um, but again, I'd love to see Keith Lee slam a legend. I'd love to see Randy Orton, RKO, all the legends that beat him up in that ambulance match. Although, honestly, at this point, I hope they keep Randy Orton away from the legends. I think they did that already this year, and like we've, we've, we've kind of done it, you know? Um, but there's still a lot you could do with them. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Retribution maybe beat up a couple of them. That could be something for Retribution. But if we know history, I'm going to make a wild prediction right now. There are going to be people who get over on the Legends. Maybe Keith Lee will get over on the Legends. I think there'll be a group of Legends that probably beat up Retribution. (laughs) I think Retribution is going to get their Retribution asses kicked by a bunch of Legends on Raw. We'll see. We'll see. It remains to be seen, but I can't wait to check it out. Um, speaking of predictions, I wanted to talk, before we get to Alicia Toot, 
Uh, last week on the show, we had Wade Keller on uh, from the PW Torch, uh, which I believe that his special hopefully is still going on, uh, where if you put in the code, I think it's Roberts, I don't remember for sure. Go back and listen to the podcast, because if you have the right code, you can get uh, the first month of PW Torch for 21 cents, which is a pretty good deal. Um, but we talked about 2020, and we kind of recapped the year. I thought today... I would spend a little bit of time with what I think will happen in 2021 um, for certain superstars. Um, This is not necessarily, some of this, I guess, is what I want to happen, but this isn't fully fantasy booking, right? This isn't like my Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns scenario necessarily, where I'm like, this is what should happen. This is what I think probably some of the things that probably will happen in 2021. I'm putting on my Karnak helmet. I'm putting on my psychic hat to figure out, okay, where are we going in 2021? Um, I believe that in 2021, this is going to disappoint some people. I believe in 2021, Roman Reigns will go back to being a good guy. I believe Roman Reigns will go back to being a fan favorite. So part of these predictions are contingent on the fact that there's a vaccine out there right now and that theoretically by the summer in America, we should be getting some fans back into some buildings, right? By the end of the year, certainly we should be able to be on the road. We won't have to be in the Thunderdome anymore, theoretically, right? Hopefully, fingers crossed, huh? Maybe. Can't do another full year of this, can we? Uh, but I, I, I feel like Roman Reigns' character and his work is so strong that they're not going to be able to keep him a bad guy very long. It's also like we kind of know the way it goes. Roman Reigns has not won one pay-per-view main event clean since he returned. He doesn't win his matches clean anymore. So the first several times it works. Eventually, we're going to get sick of it, right? Eventually, he's going to have to start just laying people out. And eventually the claims that he makes about himself are going to show themselves to be true. And once we fully agree with what Roman says about himself, and once we're fully on board with the fact that he really is the head of the table, that's when he's not a bad guy anymore. And that's when we're going to start cheering him. I believe this transition will get made SummerSlam of 2021. Right around SummerSlam of 2021 is when you will get your Roman Reigns good guy turn. So you've got a full year, basically, a full year of bad guy Roman Reigns. SummerSlam 2020 to SummerSlam 2021. However, coming off of summer, he'll be a bad guy for WrestleMania, which will be great. But either by the time we get to SummerSlam or coming right off of SummerSlam, I believe that Roman Reigns will be a good guy again. And I think that it'll be time. I think that it'll feel right. And I think that we'll be ready to cheer for him too. And I think that that day, he doesn't have to change. He, he won't go back to being the old Roman Reigns. You know, he won't he won't go back to suffering succotash Roman Reigns ever again, I don't think. He will be a, a, this aversion, an evolution of the current Roman Reigns. It'll just be one that we naturally cheer. It'll basically be this character without Paul Heyman, less braggadocious, that wins matches clean. Everything else will be about the same. He'll know his value. He'll know how good he is. He won't have false humility. But he won't be such a jerk. He won't have Paul Heyman around. 
and he'll win matches cleanly. And the reason he'll win matches cleanly is because I believe the Usos will stay heel. I think the Usos will remain a bad guy tag team, at least in the short term, and that Roman Reigns will 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 ditch them and go off and be a good guy. I think that that will probably happen sometime in the summer of 2021. I think where Roman Reigns is going to be a good guy, as I talked about on Legends Raw, Keith Lee is going to be a villain this year. I think Keith Lee is actually going to have a breakout year. And I'll be honest, when Keith Lee, the his first month or so on Raw, when he had the terrible theme music, when his outfit was changing all the time, when he wasn't doing a lot of the stuff that he does, he wasn't looking particularly aggressive. He wasn't doing a lot of the more uh, showy moves, a lot of the aerial stuff that he has the ability to do. I wasn't, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Keith Lee, after everything, he's going to get ruined. We're not going to get the real Keith Lee on the main roster. I take that back entirely, that thought process. I believe that we are going to get it. I think Keith Lee is finding himself on the main roster. And I think that that, that, that we're starting to catch the wave that he's, it's a different wave than he was on in NXT, which is tough because a lot of times when people come in from NXT, we just expect all that momentum that they had on NXT to just travel through onto Raw or SmackDown. And it doesn't happen like that. You kind of, you have to start from scratch to a certain extent. And that's what Keith Lee did. I think the first month or so, he was kind of ridding himself of the Keith Lee that you'd come to know in NXT. And now he's telling this new story where he's surrounded by Drew and he's surrounded by Sheamus. But I think the matches that he's had uh, with Sheamus have been great and, you know, by Sheamus aside and everything. And I, I, I think he's coming into his own. And I think 2021 is going to be a very strong year for him. I think he's going to be a heel. My one thing about Keith Lee is I think he's got to start talking like a human being. I think he can't talk like he's cutting a promo all the time. Sometimes he'll have to talk like a human being. It can't always be a professor giving a lecture to a group of students. That's how he talks, and it drives me crazy. But I think that that way of talking will work if he's a bad guy. I think he's going to have to kind of get himself out of talking like that. Um, it's just a little pet peeve of mine. However, I do think that when he turns heel, and I think that his heel turn will be very soon. I think that he is going to be a villain soon. I think he will be a villain going into WrestleMania this year. He may win the Royal Rumble. And he may be Drew McIntyre's challenge at WrestleMania. We may see a WrestleMania with Drew versus Keith and Roman versus Brian. It's possible. I don't know all that for sure. But what I do know is that I believe that we will be building towards a big Drew McIntyre-Keith Lee match at a pay-per-view, maybe WrestleMania. And I believe that Keith Lee will, will be one of the predominant villains in WWE. And I believe he'll stay that way. You know, this could be a thing where Roman turns into a good guy at SummerSlam. A month, five, six weeks after SummerSlam, we have the draft. A heel Keith Lee gets drafted to SmackDown and we start building a Roman Reigns as a good guy versus Keith Lee as a bad guy story. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, 
I believe, and this is going to hurt people, I believe that in 2021, Daniel Bryan will retire from full-time active competition. I don't think we'll see his last match in 2021, but I think this will be his last year as a full-time member of the active roster. I think he's going to have a real good run. I think that it may culminate with a main event at WrestleMania. But I think ultimately he is at some point in the year going to lose his career in a match. And I think that we'll still see him popping up. I think he'll have maybe one-off matches here and there. I think he'll have different roles in the company. I think he'll still be behind the scenes. Maybe they'll move him on to Talking Smack. Who knows? But I do believe, I do believe that his wrestling days are over as of 2021. His full-time wrestling days are over this year. I believe this will be Daniel Bryan's last year of active competition. I believe that both Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey will be back in a WWE ring in 2021, especially as you get fans back. I think that that's a bigger deal for Ronda than it is for Becky, but I think it's a big deal for Becky too. Look, Becky is the biggest star in professional wrestling right now. In 2020, 2021, Becky Lynch is wrestling's biggest star. And I think that her star power has grown uh, since being gone and becoming a mom. Uh, I think that people love that she went and became a mom. I think people are really happy for her. People are genuinely happy for Becky Lynch. I think that it it leaving like that and announcing that you're becoming a, a, a mom and like very sort of while, while maintaining her privacy, there is this feeling of fans going on this personal journey with her. And I think that it's making her a more relatable person and that that we're seeing kind of this this morphing of Becky Lynch and Rebecca Quinn coming in. The fact that, you know, people know she's engaged or getting married to Seth Rollins and, you know, people know stuff or maybe they're married. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but other people know, you know, people people know they, they're attached to her as a human being. And that's what happens to people that achieve that level of stardom. I mean, I, I, I think, I believe Becky Lynch will be back in a ring this year because I believe that as big a star as she became from being the man over the last couple of years, I think that this year, Becky Lynch starts taking those steps to becoming the next Cena-level star. I believe that that Becky Lynch could be that that defining generation defining star that you've got Hogan, you've got Brett and Sean, you've got Austin and Rock, you've got Cena. And I think the next name on that list as much as they tried to make it Roman, I think the next name on that list is Becky Lynch. And I think those are the seeds that are going to get planted this year. And I think the way those seeds are going to get planted is that this year, Becky Lynch is going to return and Ronda Rousey is going to return. And Ronda Rousey is going to remind her that she didn't pin her at WrestleMania, that her shoulders were not down. And Becky Lynch is going to remind her that I don't think we ever had our singles match, did we? And we're going to build towards, I don't know, could be at WrestleMania. You'd have to do it quick. Um, but it's going to be a big match regardless. So it might wait until SummerSlam. SummerSlam is, to me, Becky Lynch's show because that's where Becky Lynch first turned heel 
which realistically made her the biggest baby face in the company. So I wouldn't be surprised if it happened at SummerSlam. It'd be a little bit poetic that way. But yeah, I mean, I, I think SummerSlam this year is where you've got Becky versus Ronda. Unless you're going to push all the way to WrestleMania 2022. If you're going to push all the way to WrestleMania 38, you could do that too. But SummerSlam this year could be Ronda versus Becky and the match that turns Roman Reigns into a good guy again. Either way, I think you're getting Ronda versus Becky this year, or at least the steps being made towards making that match a reality. Um, I think that uh, that you're going to have real competition between Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and Bailey. The question inevitably comes up when you say, well, I think Becky Lynch is coming back, and I think Ronda Rousey's coming back. You go... Do you think we're going to get the four horsewomen match? The four horsewomen versus the four horsewomen? And the answer is no. And I don't think we should. To be honest, look at the WWE's four horsewomen and look at how they've evolved. Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, and Bayley. I think that I would probably argue that in any order, you could figure out the order. They may very well be the four greatest female superstars in the history of WWE. I don't think anybody has achieved success on the level that they have doing what they do. Shayna Baszler has not come into her own on the main roster. She's not a main event level star on the main roster. And Marina Shafir and Jessamine Duke are not on television at all. So I I just don't buy that you've basically got Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, who's good, but hasn't won the big one. And then there are two friends who, I mean, I guess we might remember them from Raw Underground. Versus the four best WWE female superstars of all time. You know, I don't think that that's a realistic match to have. I think you're, you're much better off just having Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. That's the match you want to have. And in the meantime, I think Charlotte, Becky, I think really Charlotte, Bailey, and Sasha Banks are going to start getting very competitive. You know, I, what I, it's interesting looking at that women's division. Because when you look at that women's division, that's when you've got that feeling of, you know, they talk about in the Attitude Era how everybody was going for that spot, you know? You had Austin. You had The Rock. You had Triple H. You had Shawn Michaels who didn't want to give it up, you know, in, in at, at WrestleMania when Austin was on the come up. You had Mick Foley over here poking through. You, had, you know, it just, it was fluctuating so much. There was so much movement because everybody was trying to get that spot. The Undertaker is still there, you know? And I feel like that is what's going to start happening now in the women's division in WWE. That you're going to have Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Becky Lynch all kind of in the running together and all wanting to make their mark not only as the number one person in WWE, but make their mark on history. Because I think it's going to be very clear to them that we're now at a period of time where the number one person in the company can be a woman. You know, if you look at Becky Lynch before she left, hard to picture a bigger star than her. If you look at WWE television 
before the Thunderdome when it was just in the Performance Center, Sasha Banks and Bailey as a unit made that television. I mean, Sasha Banks and Bailey together were the hottest act on TV. I think that I think that it's the the that grouping. I think it's going to be a renaissance of what was happening in NXT, where you had this amazing kind of come up of those four. I think now they take that same journey onto the next level where you go, not who's the best woman in NXT, not who's going to be called up to the main roster first, but who's going to be the biggest superstar in WWE. I think that's going to be the competition. I think Drew is going to remain the top good guy in WWE. I don't think that that's a, 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 a stretch. Um, in terms of call-ups, you know, we're talking about call-ups. In terms of call-ups from NXT, I think a few people are going to get called up. I think Damian Priest is going to get called up. I think Damian Priest is going to do pretty well, but he's going to have to find himself, you know. You would think that Aleister Black would have been a no-brainer on the main roster, and I haven't seen Aleister Black in a while. You know, there's no reason to think that anybody on the NXT roster is a shoe-in for success on Raw or SmackDown. Not that they shouldn't be, not that they couldn't be, but just that that's the way things work out. So I think that, I think Damian Priest has, he's got the look, he's got the personality, he's got the size, he's got the ability in the ring. You know, he's got everything. I'm such a huge Damian Priest fan. And I believe he can do very well. And I, I, he can size up with a lot of guys. I just think it's going to be a matter of him finding himself on the main roster. And I think that he will. But I think this is the year he gets called up. Speaking of the ultra-competitive women's division, I do think Rhea Ripley is finally going finally to get called up to the main roster. I don't know if she shows up on Raw or SmackDown. I think that Charlotte is the first target she goes after, looking for uh, vengeance, looking for a return on the WrestleMania match that she lost, that she never got a one-on-one -on -one match back. Um, or at least not on pay-per-view. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Rhea Ripley gets called up to the main roster. And again, gets thrown in the mix of that just tremendous amount of talent. Who knows? Maybe Rhea Ripley shines through, and maybe Rhea Ripley gets thrown in the conversation of top superstars in WWE. I also think the Undisputed Era is finally going to get called up. Not that I even necessarily want them to, but really it's like, it's time. You know, I think Kyle O'Reilly is going to have a great run in NXT, but I think ultimately they've got to do it I think for the Undisputed Era to work on the main roster, Adam Cole has to at least start as a bad guy and the Undisputed Era just all have to be as heavies. Um, you know, I think it's going to take changing the way we look at factions on the main roster. Maybe they, may, who knows, maybe maybe they won't come in as bad guys. Maybe they'll come in to challenge the, the, the Hurt business. That's possible. But I think, and I think they'll be on Raw. I think I just something about it. I think... I think we're going to see the Undisputed Era on Raw, and it's going to be make or break. And I, I think that everybody knows the risks involved. But there's also, you know, competitive wrestling organizations now. So if things don't work out for the Undisputed Era on Raw, who knows how long the contracts are. You know, I mean, it, it could get very interesting. Um, I think over on NXT, you're looking at Shotzi's year. Shotzi Blackheart is going to be the NXT Women's Champion uh, this year. And soon. Maybe WrestleMania weekend. I don't know. But I think Shotzi Blackheart is NXT Women's Champion this year. And I think Shotzi Blackheart becomes the face uh, of that NXT Women's division. 
uh, going forward in 2021. Uh, I think uh, in terms of rivalries, uh, I think you're looking at uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn having another rivalry. I think almost, they're just so good. But also like after Kevin Owens and Roman goes, like after Roman Reigns goes through Kevin Owens, and now that kind of Big E has gone through Sami Zayn, like where do we go with these guys? I think you're going to end up seeing a blood feud between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but I think it's it could potentially be the best one they've ever done. We could get magic out of them, and I, th- I think it'll happen. Um, and I think with The Fiend, I think what's going to happen is Edge will come back. Edge will get his third match with Randy Orton. And the fiend will help Randy Orton. I think. I think that Edge's first main roster rivalry is going to be with the fiend. It's. Just, I don't know why. It's just. It makes sense in my head that Randy Orton maybe doesn't quite know why the fiend is helping him, but the fiend always does things for mysterious and nefarious reasons. But I think it'll be. I think it'll be Edge and the fiend uh, pairing up and having some pretty classic matches. And I think that'll be a really good spot for the fiend too. I think some really good stories will be able to be told between The Fiend and Edge. Uh, I think Big E will end up in the main event of a pay-per-view, but I don't think it'll be one of the big four. I think that, that Big E is going to have a slow ascension, which is good, you know, I because I, the last thing you want is for that, that quick ascension and then basically have a repeat of what happened with Kofi, where you get knocked right back down. I think Big E is going to have a slow build, slow build, but... Biggie is just the the way he's operating right now. He's not going to fail. You know, I I I think that I think that you're going to slow build Biggie and by the end of the year he's going to be undeniable. Completely undeniable. By the end of the year you're going to know this is the guy that that needs to be champion. I think Brock Lesnar will be back this year. I think as soon as fans come back Brock Lesnar will come back and maybe that'll be somebody I think we'll see a Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar match. Hopefully we see them as a tag team first, but I think we will see a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match. Um, And then I also think when Seth Rollins comes back that he'll come back still as a bad guy. And I'd love to see maybe after SummerSlam, maybe SummerSlam you do Roman versus Brock. And then coming off of SummerSlam, you have have a Seth Rollins-Roman Reigns rivalry where Rollins is the bad guy and Roman is the good guy. Although I think, I mean, we've kind of done it before, but... I just think they're in such different places now that it could get very interesting. So those are just some of my thoughts going into 2021. I'm sure if uh, if the conversation expanded, we could continue to talk about it and, and, and continue to have ideas. Of course, uh, if you want to do that, you should join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Uh, you can join us in the Discord room where we talk about stuff like this all the time. And if you're at that upper, upper tier... You can even join me on Sundays right before I record the podcast in a Zoom room uh, and brainstorm some of the ideas of the podcast with me. You know, we always end up talking about stuff that that me and some of the Not Sam Shells talk about in that Zoom room here on the podcast. Um, But I got a guest this week. My guest is somebody who has uh, a couple of years ago popped up on YouTube and made quite an impact. You know, there's a handful of people... uh, they're doing wrestling interviews. Doing wrestling interviews on YouTube was one of the ways that I kind of started to get noticed by the the internet wrestling community before they all decided I was a scumbag. Uh, they they uh, liked my interviews that I was doing. Um, 
But, you know, we had Chris Van Vliet on uh, a few weeks ago on the show. Uh, and right from that same school of, of thought is one Alicia Toot. Alicia Toot, uh, she started a, a, a blog called Ambi, a music blog, yeah, uh, and was interviewing bands and stuff. And from there went to interviewing wrestlers. She grew up watching wrestling and she started going to indie shows and interviewing wrestlers and putting them on YouTube and she was getting a great response to it. So she just kept going. Uh, you've seen her now uh, become more and more part of, of, of the industry. You know, she went from going to indie shows to just interview wrestlers for her YouTube channel to actually being a part of the show. She would become a backstage interviewer. She'd become a ring announcer at some of these shows. Uh, for a period of time, she was doing some uh, behind the scenes work at Impact. Um, I believe uh, she did some stuff at, at the first all out or all in pay-per-view, the first all in pay-per-view before AEW was official. Uh, and now she works officially contracted talent for MLW, MLW, which is uh, all over the place. You know, you can see it. Uh, you can see it on, on, I think, BN Sports. You can see it. You can see it on many different networks. We'll talk about all of that. Uh, with Alicia, uh, who also, while she's doing all this, while she's doing so much work with MLW and has become such a big part of that TV product, she's still keeping up her YouTube channel too. This girl is a hustler. She calls herself the Internet Queen. And she's my guest this week on Not Sam Wrestling. Here she is, Miss Alicia Atut. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Well, I feel like it's been a long time coming. Uh, here on Not Sam Wrestling, the interview queen, Alicia Atut. Now, Alicia, interview queen, is this a, 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 a crown that you were able to give yourself or did somebody actually crown you the interview queen? Uh, first, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so psyched about this, so thank you. I wish that I was that clever to have come up with it myself and that I could take credit. But I have this fan who started using the hashtag once in a while, and I just kept seeing it come up in my mentions and just occurred to me, hey, that actually has a really cool ring to it. I've done over 4,000 interviews. I kind of feel like I can coin that for myself. So I just took it, and he was super happy about it. Next thing you know, it's on T-shirts. It's like being announced when I go down to the ring for stuff. So it's pretty cool being able to have someone give you that name. And, um, you know, it's a fan that I've had since the beginning. So it's really cool. It's better that you didn't think of it yourself, to tell you the truth, because like Queen is one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's one totally. of those things that like, no, 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 no. My, my fans crowned me the Queen. And then it's like, all right, well, then I guess I can, I guess I can accept that, you know, because otherwise, totally. you know, you've got a lot of uh, living up to do for that title. So. I mean, before we get into everything, because, you know, you've been you've been on the wrestling scene for for years now. I mean, I, I, I've i been aware of you for so long, but like a year ago, you get the dream gig, you get contracted, right? You get a, a signed contract with a televised wrestling promotion. MLW makes you their interview person. Who knows what this is going to evolve into? But the point is, you're an on-screen personality for MLW, which is huge. And then two months later, there's a global pandemic and everything shuts down. When this thing first hit, and, and this is different than just, yeah, exactly, heartbreaking. Not just yes. because, oh my God, I was doing so much stuff, but like it was, the wheels are just starting to spin. Like, okay, the momentum is in the right direction. Do you go like into a panic 
when that happens? Because who knows? What if what if MLW shuts down completely and this thing that you had envisioned in your head could come crashing down? There was so much running through my mind. And the craziest part of it all is all of the news about COVID-19 really started to come out around March. And we were all waiting for WrestleMania weekend. We were all so excited. Yes. We had so many bookings the next month. And we're with MLW in Tijuana, Mexico. And we're all in the locker room. We had this huge AAA collab show. And we're all sitting there and we're getting these alerts from all these promoters and Twitter's blowing up. And we're like, oh, my gosh, everything's like crashing down around us. Are we even going to make it back home? I made it home by two days of them shutting the border from Mexico to here. So it was just crazy. So, yeah, I was in a bit of a panic. I was worried. You hear the severity of it. I'm worried about my family back home. I don't want to contract anything while I'm out. It was just a lot. I mean, the last thing I was almost thinking about was was my work just because all this craziness is happening uh-huh. and then it sinks in oh yeah now now i don't travel now i don't have mlw what's happening but it was pretty cool because mlw were actually able to make do with everything we ended up um, promoting a weekly show on our youtube channel pulp fusion so that was great we were able to kind of keep the content rolling the feuds out there the storylines going so um like i said we made do now we're back we're back on tv people can watch us every wednesday night at 7 p.m so it sucked. It re- I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It really sucked. But we're back. We have amazing stuff for everyone to watch. So it, it feels good to not have to worry as much. You just bringing up that weekend. Like, it's wild that that was, that was months ago. That was less than a year ago. And it seems like a lifetime ago that I think everybody in, in wrestling was like, there's no way WrestleMania weekend, not just WrestleMania, but WrestleMania weekend and all the shows that we're planning on surrounding WrestleMania. They're like, well, I mean, you can't cancel all this stuff. There's no way this is all just going to go away. And then in an instant, it was like, well, no, the whole world's going to change uh, for a period of time. So that's actually starting right now. Uh, right. Oh, OK. All right. Yeah, it was definitely a shock to everyone. I feel like that weekend I had so many things lined up from hosting shows for a bunch of wrestling celebrities. I was supposed to hope, uh, host the second annual uh, Bullet Club Beach Party, which was huge. You know, working for those guys is a crazy thing again. So it just felt like your dreams were getting crushed. And of course, it's not just a payday. It's exposure. It's You, you know how it is yeah. during that weekend. It's, it's the craziest week of the year in wrestling. So you just see all that going away. And then you think, oh, okay, are, is anywhere going to open? Am I going to be SOL for two months, a year, five years? Like, you just don't know, especially back then. We didn't know how long this thing was going to linger for. And we still don't, but at least it's a little bit clearer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah I just, think I think it's it, a blow. <laughs> yeah, it's like we still don't know how long this thing is going to linger for. But it, most people have figured out how to have some semblance of life and business. And like, OK, this might linger for a while even still, but this is how we're going to progress right because that's part of it is is you're right it's not it's not about the paydays it's not about necessarily the loss of of wages even though for i mean for a lot of people it is but for somebody like you and your position it's about i don't know i feel like i'd be worried and 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 to some respect for myself i was worried about what if this stops the momentum like there's clearly a lot of momentum on your side and you're like that's that's the last thing in the world that i want Oh, so much. I had just signed, like, I remember the day I signed, the internet was just buzzing and I wasn't expecting it. And, you know, you're getting tweets from everyone from like Vicky Guerrero, like everyone's just congratulating you. You're like, what is happening? And then you do two months of tapings. The response is great. Every time you hit television, you have that April coming up. It's going to be amazing. And yeah, it all just came to a stop. So that's where uh, we really had to try to 
reinvent ourselves and think, hey, how can we still stay relevant and keep our face out there and be spoken about all the time without actually being at shows? And being Canadian, I actually wasn't even allowed into the States. So up until, you know, from about March until mid-September, I literally couldn't cross the border to even do a show. I had promoters emailing me all the time. And I just would remember reading my emails every day like, this sucks. I I have to tell them no, because I literally legally can't. So luckily things are open now, so I can take the odd thing. Um, I have to quarantine for two weeks when I come back, which is super fun, but I get why. So it's been a lot of adapting. But hey, like I said, we have to make do and just take it as it comes and stay safe. So how did MLW come about like how did that become your home i feel like the reason that the internet was buzzing when it happened was because like i said i mean people have been aware of you for a long time and there was i feel like people were waiting for you to pop up someplace like and the announcement is this is our person you know you've done some things here and there with other promotions you popped up over here on impact and talking to the to 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 the bucks or kenny and you're like oh what's going on over there and then no official announcement was being made or it's like, no, this is just a gig. This is just a gig. That's just a gig, which is a cool life, but it's a different thing when a promotion goes, no, no, no. We're putting our faith in this person and this is our person moving forward. Yeah. I mean, it it was a shock to me because once you get into this crazy world and I've been in it now for about four years, a goal of most people have had like to sign somewhere, you know, it gives you that stability. You have something to look forward to every month when you have tapings. Like it's a lot to just be excited for. You kind of have this little family that you get to see on the road all the time. And so um, I was speaking with a couple other companies and then it got to the point where it's either, you know, uh, the expression to be blunt, you know, shit or get off the pot. That's it. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> you know, to be honest, it's how this industry works. And uh, MLW approached me. They're like, hey, we have these tapings in December. We have heard some really great things about you. Um, they knew that I had heard about them. Let's bring you out and kind of see if we like each other. So I went down. It was just flawless. I didn't have any technical issues. They treated me properly. I knew the locker room from working the indies with tons of these great guys. So it felt like a good fit. On the first day of being there, I think I was maybe four hours into filming, I was pr- approached by um, one of the higher ups and he was like, hey, we want to lock you down. Like, We want to sign you. Let's talk numbers. Let's do this. And the fact that they wanted to kind of snatch me up that quickly because they knew other people had their eyes on me um, and they just kind of took that initiative and they respected my wishes when it came to signing kind of what I needed from them and vice versa I was like you know what let's just do it like I'm I'm happy here things seem great and I know they're only growing more and more like the boss court Bauer every time I speak with him he has some crazy new idea he has something where he just wants to grow we are on a new uh, platform or we're on a new channel so I just feel like we're going to really continue to grow and it's a company I'd like to grow with of course the pandemic put a little bit of a kink in that for everyone. Uh, but hey, we're on, we're on a great track and we're only going to get bigger. That is the thing about Court Bauer. I've known Court for, for a while now and I've never, you know, and, and you can never take anything for granted in wrestling, especially. But Court's one of those people that you have a conversation with and you're like, I'm really not worried about this guy failing. This is a guy who just figures out how to get stuff done. Like there are going to be obstacles and there's going to be hurdles and there's but he's going to figure this out. Yeah, it's nice to have that that kind of security because when it comes to wrestling, I'm sure some of your viewers know this and some might not, but it is an absolute 
mess when it comes to behind the scenes. You know, people <laughs> say things, they're going to grant you things. Yeah. Half the time it comes through, half the time they never intended on doing it in the first place. I've never had that issue once with anyone in MLW. If it's something as simple as, hey, we're filming this promo here, it gets done. Hey, this is what's happening. Like, it's just, it's a well-oiled machine. I love that. I've been places where it is chaotic. They say they're going to give you eight promos. You get one and you're just sitting on your ass all day. Like, it's frustrating. You know, I, I go to work. That's why I'm there. I'd love, I would love to do something. So um, it's just a really good atmosphere. And the other reason that I've honestly been super happy with them, especially throughout 2020, is we did our first tapings um, a few months back at a secret location. And when we did them, <laughs> they had us tested for COVID. Uh, every single person in that building, from crew to talent to producers, everyone tested negative. It was amazing that's what you want so i felt safe the whole time you know i'm doing promos this close to people i probably spoke with more people than any of the wrestlers so it's it was scary and then as soon as you got that okay it felt great so they really care about talent it's a good family and i feel like it's a really good place for me to be how did you or, or at what point did it even occur to you that maybe getting involved in wrestling was something you wanted to do because you're you're a self-starter like you had amb going on and it was a music blog yeah and <laughs> and then you start interviewing wrestlers and, and, and you, you know, you start to kind of draw attention from the wrestling community that way. But how did the how did the transition go from, oh, yeah, I just like this is just part of what I do for for my 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 platform into no, why don't you come to the show? And instead of you interviewing wrestlers, I mean, you could still interview them, but do it for us instead of doing it for you. Yeah, so I, I've been a wrestling fan since I was a kid. I was about two or three when I remember watching my first match, and I was just so into it. And like any wrestling fan, you go through waves, ups and downs. Uh, but it got to the point where I was interviewing so many bands, and they'd kind of be sliding in these wrestling references, whether it was like a, a Macho Man, oh yeah, or like they were Stone Cold wetting me all the time. And I'm just like, I get your references. Like they're kind of trying to slide it. Yeah. I, like, I totally see what you're doing. And then our music interviews would just turn into talking about wrestling, and it was awesome. So it kind of was a light bulb. Like, hey, if all of these musicians love wrestling, wrestlers are going to love music. Like, who doesn't? So I started interviewing wrestlers. The response was great. Uh, there was a local promotion here in Toronto called Smash Wrestling. And they were like, hey, our wrestlers just like really love talking to you. They want to get on your show. I had that built-in crowd from the music already. So it wasn't like I was just starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. And next thing I know, I had a mic in my hand. I was interviewing the indie talent here in Toronto. And um, that company ended up doing co-pros with... ECW, um, which is about like three hours away from me in Windsor. And so they had ties to Impact. And then that kind of brought me to that platform. And then, you know, you start interviewing at other promotions and it just explodes from there. So it was really organic, never expected it to happen. It was never necessarily like a dream of mine to be on TV with a company. But as soon as I, I had my foot in the door, I just wanted everything. Like it was <laughs> one of those instant light bulbs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like it's not a dream of yours because you wouldn't even fathom it, right? Like it wouldn't occur to you to have that as a dream. You're like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how that job is. I don't know how anybody ends up there, but I'm over here doing this. And then all of a sudden you start to see this path that gets cleared away and you're like, oh, I could go down this path. Oh, I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually really enjoying this. That was exactly how it unraveled. And I remember now, 
you know, you have these dream interviews, you have the dream of signing, you do have all these little milestones now that you wouldn't have even thought were possible, you know, interviewing people you watched when you were five years old or working for them or them hiring you to host shows. It's just, it's been a whirlwind over these last four years. And I still host music interviews. I still have bodybuilding interviews, but honestly, wrestling's what ended up getting my heart at the end because it's just, I love being out there and I never thought of acting or entertaining that way, but it's a whole other world that you just get, like you just fall into and oh, it's just a blast. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's nothing like wrestling because of, because of the way the stories are told. Like there, there's so many different parts of the storytelling and you're like, wait, there is this little part of telling these stories that I could be involved in and I could maybe help out with. And, and, and yeah, I guess you don't really realize that until it starts to become a little bit more clear, right? Absolutely. I mean, I remember my first interviews um, being with people like, like as far as the character ones go, like Rosemary, MJF, and now within MLW, I got to do stuff with the guys in the Dynasty, Alex Hammerstone and Richard Holiday, or, you know, like we have Team Filthy with Tom Lawler, and they're all such characters. And of course, they're all they're all D-bags, but because, <laughs> you know, when they try to destroy me and get at me, I can kind of talk back. And that's actually one of my favorite things about working with MLW. They don't just have me there as the interviewer who holds the mic, nods her head and they just walk away. Like I get to actually interact with them. I get to talk back. Uh, we curse. Like it's a really raw, gritty show. And I, I love that about it. So the fact that I get to be me, but you know, spinal tap that and turn it to 11. Like it is just <laughs> so much fun. So yeah. And it's also nice. The fact that like you've built this platform, right. For, for lack of a better term, you, you, you've built this platform and you've built an audience behind it and people know you. So it's nice that if you're going to end up working for a promotion like MLW, that it's not just to fit this role that really anybody could do. Like they're not just bringing you on to, like you said, hold a microphone. They're bringing you on to bring the same personality and the same kind of vibrancy that would come from the stuff that, that you do that got the attention of people in the first place. Right. It's pretty much my sit down interviews, but just like totally ramped up. And I love that about it. You just get to really interact with people. And like I mentioned before, there's that whole acting element I never even knew or thought of before and knew I had in me. So when that kind of gets to come out and you get to ad lib and just improvise on these ridiculous gimmicks that you wouldn't even imagine are possible when you're a kid, you know, it's just, um, it's just so much fun. And that's kind of what I love about it. Like the future's open wide. You never know where angles can go. We have something that's going to shock fans on MLW. Um, once, once it happens, I'm really excited about it. So yeah, it's gonna be a lot of development. Let's say it's, it's very cool. It's also gotta be great working in a place like MLW because there's so much talent that a lot of the world isn't quite aware of yet. And you get to be there on the ground floor and you get to see these people who, you know, when the world does get to see them, they go, oh my God, like it was this hidden, like this diamond in the rough was sitting right here. Like there, there there's this yeah. great wrestling and there are these amazingly talented performers and characters, not just guys who can do a bunch of great moves, but really entertaining characters that are existing right over here that you didn't even know was happening and you get to see it all right 
Oh, it's so fun. I mean, I, I've worked with so many of the guys before, but there were some that I never got to. I mean, we literally have the Von Eriks as a part of our company. That is such incredible wrestling history. And we have cameos from Kevin on our YouTube channel. And it just blows your mind that you're working with these people. And then um, our champion, Jacob Fatu, again, one of those names where yeah. he just, as soon as he goes into the ring, you're like, how is this like bigger dude doing all of this athletic, incredibly aerial stuff? Like we just have such a wealth and such a um, diverse roster that as soon as you see everyone kind of competing you're like whoa this is magic you know it's, it's so different and for our whole restart we had a bunch of people come in um, and he's still wrestling now with us like leo rush ach like we had some cool cool names coming through i know that we're waiting to even share more uh who were at those tapings i even saw someone backstage i was like oh my gosh they're here like i actually <laughs> had a little geek out moment you know like whoa i remember watching you on my television like it was really cool so if i'm geeking out i can't imagine um how excited fans must be but there's there's a lot in store for sure yeah as the kind of the wrestling world and because of what's going on on wwe and smackdown and stuff as they talk about the samoan dynasty more and more and that samoan family is becoming right. more of a talking point i do end up like you know you guys seen jacob fatu do you know that there's you know about yes. Jacob Fatu? Like, do you know how many, how deep this, this dynasty goes? Like, do you understand that there's this like amazing stuff going on that, that you don't even know about yet? Cause Jacob Fatu is, he's, he's, he's amazing. Oh my gosh. I remember seeing him live for the first time and you just don't expect that kind of stuff to come out of him. And then as soon as it happens, he has this kind of cheekiness to him too, where like he knows he can pull it off. Mm -hmm. So it's just this air of confidence, but backed up, like he can do everything in the ring. And I feel like most of our talents like that. And it's just really, really cool seeing everything come together. We've had these ideas for months and months during the pandemic. So when we were finally able to get together, roll out these matches, these storylines. It just, it was just such a wonderful and exciting thing. Um, you know that you really love what you're doing when all the rosters actually watching the matches instead of just being on their phones. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, we're, we're, we're actually enjoying it. We're into it. We're like, oh my gosh, that just happened? Whoa, was that a change? What? So yeah, it's um, it was super fun. So when you've got like represent, you got the Von Eric family there, you've got the, the Anawaii family representative, like you got real wrestling legacy. Do you feel like before you go to these shows you have to brush up on your history just to make sure that like nothing's getting by you or do you have enough kind of stored in the vault that you'll be okay there's a good amount in the vault luckily especially because i grew up on wrestling and that's the stuff my dad grew up with like he literally knows the von eric history to a t so <laughs> that's kind of something i've heard over the years that's awesome um but it's cool when you come face to face with them and you get to be like, well, I've heard stories about your family since we were both probably young, you know, when, <laughs> yeah. when Kevin was wrestling, the boys were just boys backstage. So it's uh, it's really neat when you come face to face with them. You have your stories. They have theirs. And just how humble everyone is. I've never felt so safe and respected in a locker room before. I have so many big and little brothers there. And even when we have, you know, like Selena, um, Aria back there, like it's just, it's a good group of people. As much as I hate Selena, sure. she's never hurt, never hurt me physically. So, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's a certain level of respect. And like I said, I've never felt that community. So uh, it's, it's exciting. And I can't wait until our next set of taping so we can continue all of this craziness. So I feel like, uh, for me anyway, like the interviews that probably put you on the map, like in a, in a, a pretty big way on the internet and in terms of the wrestling community, I feel like your series of interviews with MJF, obviously, and the Scarlet interviews were both mm -hmm. big for you. And I feel like a big part of that is because they both 
were able to balance the sort of real life and character act really perfectly. Like you're, you're talking to them in character and they're, especially MJF, like, you know, you, you never catch MJF not in character. So he's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's literally been here, like in my house in character. I'm oh, like, well, he's lucky you. I know. Right. <laughs> but, but, um, when you come from the world of like talking to bands and stuff like that doesn't exist in music, right? There's no like no. quote unquote kayfabe or, or, yeah, you're 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 kind of in this weird space of sort of real life, but sort of in character, and we're sort of taking jabs at each other, but it's also sort of real. Like, was that a difficult transition for you to make, where it's almost like, okay, this becomes half interview, but also half improv exercise, or because you'd grown up with wrestling, were you kind of like, oh, okay, no, this makes perfect sense. I've always idolized Mean Gene and Renee Young. So knowing kind of how they handled those was definitely a guideline for me. But in the music world, you're right. There isn't a lot like that unless you interview Guar or right. Lordy. And I had I had interviewed those bands before. But even when you're interviewing them or someone like Maxwell or Scarlett, they say stuff sometimes and you're like, bro, like, do you mean that? <laughs> they really, they're so good at just striking a chord, but it's fun too, because then you get to give it back. Like, you know, it's, it, it is all kind of in a way fun in games, even though it cuts deep. So it's, um, th those did so well. And I think it's because they came off uh, and a lot of it was, you know, like really genuine. You, you start bashing each other and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to one up you now since you went there. I'll never forget when Maxwell called me like a long neck draft or something. We were doing like a live TV skit and I was like, you son of, like, <laughs> so livid. So I said something super harsh back and we were literally like, this is how it works. Like, and when you walk away from it at the end of the day, you know, it's wrestling. Everyone, I've heard every a bunch of wrestlers say this before. We're literally wrestling each other in speedos in front of thousands of fans. Like that's what it comes down to. It's right. the goofiest but best thing in the world. So you can't take anything to heart. You walk away and you're like, oh my god, people are going to eat that segment up, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. That's I. I mean, I, 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 and I think that the reason fans respond to that as well is because as much as as much as a lot of people want to believe that they really just want the inside dirt and they want to know what's going on behind the scenes, they want the real person. If you're a wrestling fan, there is nothing that you will like better than watching somebody fully live that character and portray that character in a realistic way. And I think when you're interviewing them, especially when, you know, you're not interviewing at that time, like you're not interviewing them as part of the show. You're interviewing that character has has left the wrestling show and has entered your YouTube universe. And it's like this weird, like, wait a minute. Batman just left the comic book and is now over here. Like I'm not talking to the actor. I'm talking to, and when, and when you can convince the audience that's there to watch you just have a conversation with a real person, that this is the real person. I think it's like magic. It's gold. My, my favorite comments are the ones where people write, is this real? Like I love, and I get those pretty much every day because those names we mentioned are some of my most watched interviews. So anytime, you know, Scarlett's, having a big event on you know wednesday night or she comes up or same with i guess max wednesday night or any of those in gimmick people <laughs> yeah. um whenever that happens like my views spike or they trend because people are searching these names and it's just one of the first ones that pop up so i always get is this real and i'll never honestly admit whether it is or not because throughout my however many years of knowing all of these characters there have been a lot of real moments and a <laughs> lot of things that 
there is nothing scripted at all that you are watching, whether it's a kick to the crotch or literally a slap, like some of this stuff just happens. And um, I feel like that's the best part. I feel like I'm doing my job when people, you know, see that person on the other side and they don't know if it's a gimmick or not, because a lot of these people, it isn't. (laughs) Yeah. And also like wrestling, this is what drives me crazy is that wrestling is not that cut and dry. Like wrestling is not real or fake. It's just wrestling. So like, is this real or is this, it's wrestling. Like I'm interviewing a wrestler and this is how it went this time. Like maybe he's going to say, actually, my real name is this and I do that and this and that. Okay. Or maybe he's going to, you know, say something completely rude about me, or maybe she's going to call me a five or like that. It's just wrestling. This is, that's (laughs) what it is. I mean, I feel like I'll get demonetized if I repeat some of the stuff that MJF said to you, but, um, (laughs) I would would not go there. It has been harsh. Like he has said some of the most cutthroat. It still hurts to this day. It has to, it has to, (laughs) but it's, but that's what I mean. Like it's, 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 there is no, what's the, but what, what, what's real? What's not real? What's like, it's not one or the other. There's this Venn diagram, right? And the middle is the biggest part. There's this little sliver of circle that says fake and this little sliver of circle circle that says real, but the giant (laughs) thing in the middle is just wrestling. Yep. I think that's the beauty of it. You come to watch a video, whether it is a wrestling show, a promo, a sit down interview, and you have this preconceived notion of what you think is going to happen. And I love just turning that on their heads and making them leave and wonder, whoa, what just happened there? And that falls into that little wrestling bubble. Exactly. You never know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like if the Miz comes on my show and starts yelling at me because he thinks I disrespected him. Is he doing a wrestling thing? Yeah. Does he think I disrespected him? Yeah. Like it's all, <laughs> it's, it's all there. It's all, it's all real and it's all not. And it's all, uh, it's all wonderful, wonderful wrestling. So who were you, you know, who were you looking up to your dad? Uh, uh, grew up with wrestling and I'm, I'm very glad I've, I, I tried to get my kids to watch wrestling. I'm just, just starting to get my boy kind of maybe interested a little bit. Um, okay. but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do it the right way. Um, who, who were the first characters that you, uh, uh latched onto? For me, it was Edge, The Rock, Cena, like anyone, Jericho, anyone who was really amazing on a microphone and like captivating that way, I loved. And then um, as I got a little bit older, and by older, I mean like eight or nine, I started watching older stuff. And then that's where people like Goldust and Foley came in. And again, huge, larger than life characters. And uh, those were some of my all time favorites and the fact that i think almost everyone i named now like i've either hosted shows for them or been shows with them like it is just wild it's my i geek out even thinking about it you know it's it's crazy but those are the ones i always looked up to or be like oh my god stop it i want to watch their match now so. yeah i love that in your top four 50 are canadian it's very on brand for you oh yeah i didn't even think of that <laughs> edge and jericho <laughs> and cena and the rock i'm like okay all right I- that's amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> So what was the, so so was the era that you really like started watching kind of regularly and became a fan of live was it the Cena Edge kind of ruthless aggression yeah. like towards the 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 beginning of the John Cena build was that kind of your era that really got you locked in Yeah absolutely and then it was kind of when things started to get a little bit more open where they'd start saying things on the mic where I was like, Ooh, I can't believe that this is happening. Like attitude era. I was like, Whoa, this is 
next level. Like I remember being like 12 and watching something and being like, I can't believe she said that to him or vice versa. <laughs> you know, you see those, those raunchier scenes or even some of the stuff The Rock would say. I had no idea what he was talking about growing up. And you watch it <laughs> yeah. like five, ten years later and you're like, ooh, damn, I can't believe he was allowed to say that to me. You know, that's his catchphrase. So, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, put it on a t-shirt. Right? I was like, that is, that is crazy. But um, yeah, those were definitely some of those times I remember watching the most. But then again, like the first thing I actually vividly remember mm-hmm. was the classic Hell in a Cell match because I just couldn't wrap my brain around how this man, one fell off the cage, had his ear all messed up, the tooth in his nose. Like to me, that was just so gruesome and cool. And I just remember thinking like, this is the craziest television I've ever watched. I didn't know it was wrestling when I was five. It right. was just and something on my TV. I was like, these two guys hate each other. It's this great show. So yeah, yeah that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, I don't know if it's because you look at it in a different context, like when you're looking at it historically, or if it's just that you get older and you see things differently. But like, I mean, as a kid, I sit there and watch Mick Foley do the most insane things to his body and be like, yep, he's the man. This is the best entertainment money can buy. I love this. And I watch right. now some of the stuff and I'm like, and you're like, Mick, what are you doing, buddy? What are you, don't do this. Stop. Stop. You're going to, this is, this is going to like, you know, he turns out okay. And you still go back and look and like, you watch that, like uh, the, the I quit match from Royal Rumble 99 with Mankind and The Rock. And you're looking at those chair shots that The Rock is just laying on to Mick Foley. And you're like, Rock, leave him alone. <laughs> leave him alone. And it's hard because I remember um, he had me host his 20 years of hell tour and we had a bunch of shows in in uh, Canada and like Ontario and just seeing the way that he moves now and just how much those shots and those falls and everything just takes a toll on these wrestlers. Like he's, he's obviously okay, but at the same time it just, it breaks your heart seeing what they do for entertainment and, but it's their passion and they love it. And it's just, I can't wrap my head around it, but I'm thankful they do it. And it's just, as you're older, it opens your eyes to everything, how much they really do put their bodies on the line. I remember when people used to say, Oh, wrestling's fake. I would just like brush it off and not think twice about it, especially as a kid. But now since I'm like, it sounds weird to say, but like, since I'm in the business and industry, anytime I hear it, I'm like, trust me, there's like nothing fake about this. When I see my friends coming backstage, cut, bruised, hurt, I'm like, this is as real as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that that, yeah, that whole thing, I'm kind of shocked that it's still even a narrative in in 2020 because it's so like literally it's news from 40 years ago and and it's this thing where it's like you don't if you're still saying that you don't understand what wrestling is like it doesn't portray itself as anything it's not if anything the fakest part about wrestling is how badly it actually does hurt right like that's the fake part like they want you to believe that it doesn't hurt nearly as bad as it actually does that's so true and it's interesting, too, because whenever I say, oh, yeah, I, I post for wrestling, they're like, oh, you mean like MMA, like real fighting where they get hurt wrestling or like WWE wrestling? Like, that's always the comparison. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I say the latter. And then they're like, oh, well, that's not like really wrestling. And then I just kind of I feel like I almost have to defend it because they don't understand the, like, the severity of it and everything, especially having so many people in this industry I love and like you see get hurt or, you know, anytime someone's wrestling at MLW, I'm like, please be okay. Please be okay. Cause I can't tell if they're just selling really well or if they're actually. Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Which is <laughs> the way, it's, I mean, by the way, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Like you're supposed to be totally. as close as you can get. 
And still, if they're like you, you've you've you know everybody, you've interviewed everybody, you've worked for promotions, and the fact that you still don't know, that's how you know you're good at it. That's the magic of it. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing nothing will perk my ears up. Like if if I'm just in a regular social setting and somebody brings up a good wrestling reference or I start to I start to get the sniff that that oh you're a you're a real wrestling fan. Nothing. I'll be like, okay, we're locked. We're good. We're me and you are going to be, we have a lot like, of talking. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but on the, on the opposite, like if somebody were to be like, like wrestling podcast, what are you talking about wrestling for? I'm like, I forget it. I don't, I quit. It doesn't matter. Like there's no, like, I'm not having the conversation. I'm not here to educate yeah. you. I'm not like, I'm not your, I'm not here for your amusement so that we could have this conversation. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I've it's had people say, yeah. No, I, I totally I totally know where you're coming from because I've had people say, oh, out of all things, why that? Like, that's the silliest thing ever. And they just don't understand all the parts that go behind it, all the pieces of the puzzle that kind of make that end product and how, how fun it can be, how crazy it can be, uh, the, the traveling aspect. It's just there's so many different elements. So anytime someone tries to throw that in my face, I'm just like, shut up. You don't understand. You don't right. understand the. One percent of this. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. There's like a hundred documentaries you could watch that would explain this for you. Just go ahead. And, right. They're on Netflix. They're so easy <laughs> to find. One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> any of them. Any of them. Um, so uh, when did you. I, I, now that you're you've you've kind of got this dream job that you didn't know was a, a dream job and you're and you're and you're and you're doing it. Do you think about the future differently? Do you think about goals differently? Like, do you do you set goals? Because I find that when stuff like this happens, it's kind of a wake up call that maybe setting specific rigid goals is not the smartest thing in the world because it's actually limiting, I think. Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean. You never know what's going to happen and just what can completely just shut and you'll be completely disappointed. Uh, I mean, going back to what we said earlier, like that whole mania week, that was a goal for many people to have all of those different bookings and they're just taken away from you, you know? So uh, I, I do I do try to set them for myself just so I don't become complacent. Sure. That's not anywhere I ever want to be. So, I mean, just even in the close future, there, a month ago, I wanted to set up a Patreon account. I just launched it yesterday. I wanted to expand my merch store. Just like these little goals that kind of get you yes. through the day but also help with your your career and getting your name out there even more so. So I definitely try to keep those going. But as far as big, big goals, I mean, I'm signed. I'm locked down for a little while. Um, I know where they're hoping to take the company. I know we have some exciting things on the horizon, MLW-wise. So that goal's kind of checked. That was the biggest one. And I just really want to grow. I want to become that household name. When you think of interviewing, I want you to associate that with Alicia too. And I feel like... I'm nowhere where I want to be, but I'm definitely on the way. So yeah. fingers crossed it just continues on that trajectory. And Yeah, but you know. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. And that's I, I think that that's a really healthy perspective. And that's the way you should look at it. Because, I mean, even like in a positive sense, like imagine if, if you, uh, you know, three years ago were like, no, what I want to do is I want to make like ambient household thing. I want to make it a music thing, blah, blah, blah. And then like you're so focused on that. You go, wait. I could have been a wrestling interviewer. You, I didn't know that that was even a possibility. I could have, that's what I could have been doing. That would have been great. Totally. I definitely try to keep everything open, even when it comes to being in wrestling. The first thing was just doing the, the YouTube interviews, then backstage promos. Then a promoter was like, hey, 
are you cool to ring announce for us? I was like, yeah, why not? I'll give it a go. Then they're asking you to do commentary. And you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll try. Like, hey, there's so many opportunities in this world. Uh, for MLW, it aired last night on Fusion. I did my very first voiceover where I had to react to some chaotic scene. It was like a combination between a promo commentary and just like your <laughs> standard voiceover. I've never done that before. Uh-huh. So when things are thrown your way and you weren't expecting it, it wasn't a goal or a plan. You have to, at least this is my kind of uh, principle on it or view you take it as it comes you roll with it because you never know what it can turn into if i said no to uh, that local promotion saying hey would you like to be our backstage interviewer i literally would still be just doing youtube interviews not on television like it would just be so narrow-minded right so i try to take everything even if i end up looking like an ass um <laughs> you know you give it a try and you find out what's great for you and what you might not like as much so is that like you kind of whatever you're presented you you see the opportunity in it and you're just like yeah yeah, yeah let's yes the answer is always yes like can you do commentary yep can you do ring announcing uh-huh like i don't know that's, yes that's how it happened <laughs> i was at a show in boston with um iwtv and they're doing a pay-per-view or like a like a live event and yeah i remember them asking like hey alicia you cool with doing commentary tonight Think, i guess thinking i had done it before i, I never had right. and i told them i've never done it but i have the confidence like i could pull it off you know i can make my way through it and the next thing you know i'm doing it for the first time it went well they asked me to do it again so you just never know that like, commentary could have been my thing if that were the case you know like, sure sure and it's a paid gig now people know i do this 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 you get hired for all these different things so yeah, just I try to say yes to everything within reason and hopefully I knock it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you hit uh, uh, if you hit half of them, that's still a Hall of Fame average. You're still good. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so do you try to so when you do like ring announcing, are you conscious? Like, do you go, OK, I better try to cover up this Canadian accent of mine. Or do you go? Nope. They hired Alicia to do the ring announcing. Alicia's the one doing the ring announcing. I don't even hear a Canadian accent. It's not the weirdest thing. Yeah. Anytime someone points it out, I'm like, I don't hear it whatsoever. Yeah. But now I just go in there with, with my normal voice, just like the promo. Yep. I, I don't try to like macho it up or anything or do like a super crazy fake voice. The first company I did it for, they wanted me to do that kind of fake voice and put on. So I did what they wanted, but I, I hated it. And I felt embarrassed every time I went out there. And then another company just kind of let me do it how I wanted. And I fell into it. And I was like, Ooh, this feels good. Like I can actually do this whenever they, they wanted. So yeah, I, it's the, you learn as you go. You really do. It's all, all trial. <laughs> Did you really only try Swedish fish like two years ago? Yeah. Isn't that mind blowing? That's I didn't crazy. Even, so I can't, it's so weird. In Canada, we have Swedish berries and they're these little like raspberry looking gummies and uh-huh. they taste the exact same. Like they're delicious. So when I went to the States, I just grabbed a bag of Swedish fish. Cause like, oh, these kind of look like Swedish berries. People say Swedish in the title, whatever. I tried them. And I was like, whoa, these are even better. Like, <laughs> so next thing you know, I send one tweet out like, these things are incredible. And then I'm doing signings and meet and greets and fans are like bringing me Swedish fish. And yes. Stuff. It was so dope. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was literally two years ago. I think I was in New York and I grabbed a bag at the airport or a gas station and oh, they're delicious. But then I ate too many. So I kind of stopped for like six months, but I'll probably pick up a bag. I'll probably pick up a bag when I'm there like next week. <laughs> yeah. Everything starts to kind of taste like Swedish fish aftertaste. And you're like, I can't, I got to stop. I got to. Yeah. They don't, they just stop like tasting as good because you're so used to them. Right. They need to be a treat. They right. Be a treat. <laughs> it becomes like chewing tobacco. Like it's like, no, I, I don't even know if I'm enjoying this anymore. It's just something that I always do. 
totally how I'd imagine it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> except with <laughs> except with Swedish fish. You're just spitting like red spit into a bottle instead of uh disgusting. That's how you that's how you know you've had too much of something. It's when your tongue's like completely coated or when you go to brush your teeth at night, you do it twice and it's still there. Yeah. That's you've gone you've gone too far. Yeah, you're like, are my gums bleeding? No, 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 no. I had 150 Swedish fish today. That's yes, that's what that it. is. That's <laughs> although I mean I think that's how George the Animal Steel got his tongue green. He had like a uh, hundred like green chiclets. Really? That he would chew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I th- oh my gosh! I think that's so. Crazy. Don't don't quote me on that, but I think it's true. I mean, it sounds like a good story. So you yeah. stick, say it. Say, keep saying it with confidence. I believe <laughs> it. <laughs> did you always have confidence? Like, did you always have the confidence in your abilities to that that you could say yes to something and figure it out when no. you get there? No, <laughs> no. That's that's a new thing. A, yeah, definite yeah. no. I was the kid in school who disliked public speaking. I didn't have like a crazy amount of friends. I didn't really like group projects. Like I just like keeping to myself, not really having to rely on anything and just head down and moving forward. And then it got to the point where when I was 16, I started writing album reviews while in school just to kind of like pass the time. Honestly, no one was seeing them. And I told my parents at dinner one night, like, Hey, yeah, I, this is what I'm doing lately. And they're like, why don't you just throw it on a, on a blog? So I did. And Next thing you know, I was kind of thrown into doing these like quick two minute interviews with bands because I go to so many concerts and then it just kind of starts to pick up. You start realizing, oh, people like can be super mean, but a lot of people like me. So like, that's good. <laughs> and the next, thing, next thing you know, um, you start believing in yourself a little bit more. And I feel like the real confidence came, honestly, when um, Cody and the Bucks hired me to do one of their first really big pay-per-views. And I was like, okay, if these three guys and Omega, if these guys who I look up to so much want me to be their like one backstage interviewer, I must be good at my job. And that kind of was the stamp of approval. And then of course the MLW signing for someone to want to pay me to come out to a show, my travel, whatever, have me as their face. Like I must be doing something right. So that's kind of what really gave me that confidence. But yeah, I did not have it at all. Like I didn't even have Facebook until I was like 18 because I needed it for a philosophy group class. Like <laughs> I was not on socials. I didn't post photos of myself. I loved the phone. Um, yeah, wow. lots changed. Yeah. Just sitting there with no social media, talking on the phone, watching tapes of the Von Erics like it's 1981. You're just like, yep. Totally. This is awesome. Going on bike bike rides with friends. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like your life better with all because now you're like social media? I mean, so much of what you do and so much of your career growth and your business growth has come from social media and your presence on the Internet and everything. Do you like that or are there days where you're like, man, I wish I could just go back to bike rides and phone calls? Yeah, I miss the bike rides, the video games, the phone calls. (laughs) Those were the days. It's a double edged sword. You need it. If it wasn't here, I would probably be doing something else. Like there, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, I wish I didn't have to be on it so much, but at the same time, if you don't have your phone on you constantly, I could miss that interview opportunity, that response, yep. that campaign coming my way. So I always have to have it, which sucks because I never needed to, but at the same time, it's just a part of my life. I, I chose it. So I can't really complain about it at the same time. So, and- you know. And I have to imagine, too, that when you're like, especially when you're trying to grow as an interviewer and when you're trying to interview bands and professional wrestlers, like the ability to DM people is insane. Like the fact that you could just have direct communication with this person without having to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody and you can 
Like it's kind of, it's it's such a shortcut. Yeah, it blows my mind because you would. I mean, the funniest thing is my dad used to be in a band, and like they played a couple of gigs on MTV, and they had like a really cool thing going for them. Then and then he had me, and you know, I kind of derailed things. Um, <laughs> no, he, 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 he chose to have a family instead, and he's, like going for it. That's why he's and sitting there. Like, by the way, that's why he's sitting there. He's forcing you to be in entertainment because yeah, he's got to live by like you ruined it for me. So now I have to live vicariously through you. Yeah. I know it came to the point where like they were doing really well. And then I think him and my mom were like, you know what, let's just, let's just have a family. So it worked out. I'm I'm here. (laughs) You're good with it. (laughs) You know, he gets to meet all those wrestling idols. Like it's cool. Yeah. But it's one of those things where like he used to talk about how you can't just email a demo. Like you'd literally have to copy a bunch of cassettes yeah. get all that stuff in like physical mail like you just hear how it used to be and now instead of having to write a letter to someone i want to interview snail mail i could literally just follow them i'm verified it comes up on their tab if they are they're like oh, okay she must be like something they click it they respond like that's usually how it goes so it's amazing and the other day missy elliott followed me oh like, my god I interviewed um, Danny Jordan and she mentioned how much she loves her. And I tagged her because like, why not? I try to take anyone if they're substantial and everything. And next thing you know, we both get followed by her. So I'm like, I'm totally going to slide into Missy Elliott's DM to see if I can <laughs> snag that interview. Like, why yes. not? Worst case, I'm, worst case, I'm left on red. I have no shame in that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's made things so much easier. Some of my biggest interviews or gigs have come from someone DMing me or vice versa. So yeah, I feel like if you use DMs properly and you're not a weirdo about it, they can be a magical thing. <laughs> yes, yes. If you use them in a professional way, right. yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of creeps out there going like, oh, you like DMs, huh? And you're, no. I know, right? No. Yeah. Got <laughs> yeah. to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Professional requests is where we'll, we'll, we'll end that. But, I mean, yeah, the idea that you could just DM Missy Misdemeanor and, and – go, hey, you want to jump on Zoom and do something? It's right. so cool. It's just mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I saw a thing. You said you were a big uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, a fan of the series. Huge. And then I was thinking about, you know, Ambi and your 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 love of music and everything. The musical episode, is this a game changer for you? Do you love it? Yes. Once more with feeling is <laughs> yes. one of, I know the title of the freaking episode. <laughs> it is one of the best things I've ever watched. I don't know why, but like Josh Sweden had this way. I think that was his name. He created it. Yeah. Yeah. He had this yep. way of putting these characters over in a sense where you just feel for them. You connect with them. And I don't really like musicals. I don't watch any of that kind of stuff. But when it happened, they were translating this emotion and all the stuff they were all going through in that episode. And it just made sense. You know, there was that one goofy one with the, um, there was one really goofy, ridiculous one with one of the demons. I'll never forget. But, you know, that was a little over the top. But when she's like singing in the graveyard or even when they're trying to duke it out over the bunnies, like it just added so much to it. I loved that episode so much. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I want to rewatch that whole series so badly. Like I, I have the time at night. Like why not? Right. I was actually, okay, this is probably a good question for you. It might be offensively, stereotypically Canadian. I hope not. But uh, I was actually just uh, uh, trying to figure out what my next rewatch was going to be. I try to have something going all the time. Did you grow up with Degrassi, The Next Generation? No, actually. Oh, that's a shame. I've never seen an episode in my life. All right, well, that's what you should watch then. It's incredible. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. 
the only reason I ever discovered what it was yeah. was because there's this street downtown off of Queen Street called Degrassi Street, and that's mm-hmm. where they filmed some of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, oh, that sounds familiar. And then the person I was with downtown was like, oh, yeah, and like Drake was in it. And I don't I am a horrible Canadian because I've never seen Degrassi and I don't like Drake. So I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, like, like that's a selling point for me. Like, I don't care to watch it. So but I'm nothing against it. I just never dove into it. So, yeah, maybe perhaps i mean that I, can be my next binge i kind of get like not watching it specifically because people expect that you have watched it just because you're from canada which is kind of obnoxious right. so I, I i i get your point in staying away from it but I'll, I'll tell you that i mean i was a fan of this show way before i mean i was literally a fan of the show while it was on it was not because drake was like this famous hip-hop guy right. it was like i knew i was like when drake started rapping i was like Jimmy Brooks from Degrassi has an album. <laughs> this is, that's incredible. You, that's so funny. That's <laughs> yeah, it was the opposite. It was the no, complete some opposite. Of my friends, like, yeah, some of my friends love it. And I guess I just, I don't know, I always had this thing growing up where if something was really popular, I was kind of that person who like never really veered towards it. I don't, because I, I guess I was also like one of those, like I had a tight knit group of friends, like I was bullied for what I liked growing up. So I always tried to not like what was popular. So I just never really got into it. But I mean, hell, now the tables have turned. So why not give it a shot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've come out on the other side, like, you know, winning all over the place. So you don't really have to have your defenses up anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I lost change. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I've been doing this since I was 16. Started doing it like very heavily when I was like 19, you know, getting like really focused on it. I'm 25 now, so it just feels like it's been a long a long road even though it hasn't been that long. Does that makes sense. That's it's- crazy that you're only 25 though because it's like you've got like you said, you've got almost 10 years experience under your belt with all this stuff and right. I mean, you you're not you're barely an adult by most standards. I mean, when you look at like, you know, the stuff that people, they're like, oh, I was 40 and I finally got this done. Or I was like, I mean, you got a lot of runway in front of you. Thank you. It's weird. Sometimes I remember being that kid at the shows with the concerts when I'm 18 and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so young. And now I'm that 25 year old at the shows or concerts. And I'm just like, oh, I feel old. Like I interviewed this (laughs) band the other day called Suspect 208. Mm -hmm. And they're the sons of like Slash and um, Scott Wheeland and uh, Metallica you know it's like a yeah. mega super band and they're like 14 to 19 and I'm like damn it kids like I was <laughs> the one in the interview and now I just feel so old so it's just it's just it's all it's all perspective you know and how it feels like I've been doing this for forever but in reality it, it really hasn't been that long and there's still so much room to grow yeah it's like just starting which makes sense why like you really picked up wrestling in the ruthless aggression era because you weren't alive for most of it, right? Like you, you, you weren't alive for most of the stuff that happened before. So the fact that you had this education of of stuff that happened before then is is incredible. It, it goes back to uh, so yeah. So is that so? How do you when you watch old wrestling or when you when you started to watch older wrestling? Did you just go like, oh my god, this is great! I want to watch some more. I want to watch some more. Did you just? spent a bunch of time watching in your house or were you watching it with a goal in mind or were you watching for specific reasons or it was pretty much nostalgia for my dad because Mm -hmm. he watched it with his dad and so you know after playing basketball with a bunch of his friends or whatever he would just chill in the basement with them i'd be plopped on the couch and i would just watch it you know it wasn't really like by choice but i didn't choose to leave so i was into it i guess back then yeah yeah i mean i don't remember all of it because i was so young i was probably maybe like four 
yeah, maybe when I first started, like the older stuff, but it's just one of those things where it sticks with you. And then I feel that nostalgia of watching it with him. So I wanted to learn more. And like now the generations you see of wrestlers coming out, you have to go back to know your knowledge. So it, it, it's in there and it's not all like coming to me instantly whenever I need, you know what I mean? Totally. Like it's not something I remember vividly because I was so young, but there's enough of it lingering in there. If someone brings up a name or something, I'm like, oh yeah, like I remember this match of theirs or whatever. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be one of those things where, like, you. Yes, yes. And you don't remember specific things, but then all of a sudden you hit somebody with this one little detail and they're like, oh. Genius. Oh. So you do know. Do you, uh, do you, do you watch a bunch of wrestling in your free time now or, or do you, uh, uh, reserve that free time for other stuff? It honestly got to the point where before the pandemic, it was show after show after show, like yeah. every single weekend I was in the States and then weekdays I was working and hosting and in, like interviewing it was all wrestling stuff. So when I had downtime at night, the last thing I wanted to watch was wrestling and it yeah. wasn't for the lack of love of it. It was just what I had watched 22 hours before I mean, that, you know, uh, sometimes you go to these shows, you land, you're surrounded by wrestlers. You talk about wrestling, you go to the show, you drink prep, you watch the show. You're literally like, it's nonstop. Yeah. So it, it came to the point where I would just binge watch shows and play video games or just chill out. And when it comes to now, since a little bit of time's passed from having so many live shows, I do try to tune in or instead of watching it live, actually, if I hear about a really good match, I'll watch it on YouTube because most places now post. So yeah, I'm kind of keeping up with it that way. I always watch MLW on Wednesdays because I like seeing how it turns out. It's yeah. always super fun for me. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's not it's not as much as it used to be. That's for sure. I mean, look, it's not that dissimilar from eating Swedish fish for six months straight, and then, all right, let me take a breather. There's other foods to eat in the world. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Alicia, I'm glad uh, that we finally had the chance to sit down and talk for a while. Uh, MLW, of course, is where people can find you every week. And where can people find MLW? Yes. So if you would like to tune into MLW, which I highly advise you to, you can watch every Wednesday night on FUBU Sports or on our YouTube channel, which is simply youtube.com slash Major League Wrestling. And also, actually, every Saturday night we are on BN Sports. You can check us out there. And anytime, anywhere on DAZN, if you happen to have that app or Pluto TV. So there's so many different places you can watch but the easiest one would definitely be youtube so check us out we were doing something super different great talent so much fun i'm there so watch. <laughs> yeah and like honestly like with so many options for you to not watch would be disrespectful it seems like you have to go out of your way to not see it so like come on guys totally. like like you know we Just we all love wrestling turn on mlw <laughs> like it's great stuff totally. um i appreciate it alicia thanks a lot thank you Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.